from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZON, Oleander Public Radio. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with Dave and DB. Hey everyone, welcome once again to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. It's me, Gretchen, David, there's some goats, it's crazy, <laughs> what are you gonna do? How are y'all doing this week? Crazy. <laughs> He's got so many babies now. I know, it's, it's, it's a crazy amount of goats. Yeah, not, not as many as last year, but we still got more coming. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I don't think I have much going on other than watching films for the uh, Portland Horror Film Festival. Wow, Just been, still? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> right now we're re-watching. We're watching things that have need more views. Okay. So I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but it's like at least with those kinds of selections that it's a little bit more curated. So you're not cold calling the, the whole line. Whereas yeah. like when we first start, it's there's like 400 some odd submissions and they're sure. all like, some are okay. Some are not okay. Some are great. Some are terrible. Yeah. And you know, I mean, uh, so that's kind of where we're at right now is kind of curating down what's, what's good and what's going to stay and whatnot. And, uh, um, the, our, the flagship they're in um, Korea right now. So okay. <laughs> nice. good to know. just good all to kind know. of sit back and watching all the rest that we can and, getting it all caught up for the film festival because it's next month so it's like coming super quick oh goodness that, that's, that's the crazy. horror film festival yeah uh, that's Portland horror. yes there's a, a few like cool like international ones i'm in one of the films that have been picked for the film festival yay oh, cool. Awesome. cool 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 yeah i was at the voiceover yeah yeah i what's that do you get to kill someone in it? No, I'm a voiceover. It's my first voiceover job, so it's kind of cool. Like that's my oh, first cool. year. Congratulations! Good times. I'm I'm um, booing the voice. I'm doing the voice of um. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like easy way to say it is, it's a parody of uh, Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Oh, oh, Mia Farrow. Yeah. So I'm doing a parody voice of that. So I'm just kind of like. It's just kind of touching on. I have to hit certain beats to to match the the screen. Oh, so that's kind of fun. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. 
That's it's pretty called cool. Baby Carriage. It was shot by um, a local director called J.T. Seaton. Okay. Very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, I've just been doing a ton of 3D printing on my Anycubic, not an ad, but it just happens to be that one of our sponsors, I've been doing an insane amount. Uh, my buddy JC, he just started his uh, site, hitchwidget.com. I'm helping out with that in ways. Um, and it's, it's pretty much like... Um, like trailer hitch covers that you can take off and switch off with different trailer hitch covers. It's a trailer hitch insert. So if you want to have Denver Broncos, but switch it out and have Bigfoot with a bong, I mean, they'll custom make stuff. Anyway, that's what they're doing. What's that? (laughs) On your trailer hitch. Yeah, yeah. You insert it into the trailer hitch on your truck or whatever you want to do. Bigfoot and, with a bong on your trailer hitch. Woo! Oh, yeah. yeah uh, okay, no. okay, so I was thinking that you did this when you were towing the trailer. No. But this is when you don't have a trailer. When you don't have it's a trailer. It's the decorative thing to cover it. Instead of putting balls on there, you put Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, no, a bong. no. <laughs> or, or, or you could. Uh, there's there's little, literally, like, I, I think the main one uh, they're doing right now is just kind of like, the basic one is like a star or like oh, the star okay. from Mario or anything like that. Just cute, kind of like cute. something other than, balls. I don't know, a big piece of metal. <laughs> I, was I would see like balls on them. I'm like, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm designing one for rad bikes right now. Uh, that's more of uh, less like, hey, put your favorite brand on it. And more like, hey, here's how you can set up a GoPro or like uh, different handlebar attachments you can now set up with the front of your bike and the back of your bike, more mm-hmm. for like uh, camera stuff and utilitarian hauling and stuff like that. Cause that's where my oh, brain goes. That's pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm a bike rider, so I'm just like, hmm, yeah. what, what do I put on my bike? I mean, my bike's got like a bunch of stickers on it. I'm sure if anybody sees me around town, they're like, who is this chick with all the crazy there's all kinds of weird stuff on there. No, I think <laughs> I, I could a big probably sticker. spot your bike and then go, oh, hey, Gretchen's around. Even though I right? don't know what your bike looks like. I bet if I saw it, I'd be like, that's Gretchen's bike. Yeah, yeah. She, I she mean. it in the force. <laughs> the evil Knievel helmet gives it away. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, Dave and Gretchen. Yeah. What? Did you think we're, we're not going to talk about the movie right now? We're we're not going to talk about the movie at all. We're I'm just going to try to get kind of a what it what are your feelings on the movie we covered this week? I loved it. You loved it. Okay, Dave. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I liked it. I, okay, I, it's sort of ambiguous at the end. Okay, all right. I I, I personally. I didn't like it at first, and I'm like, oh, it's just like Japanese chuds with Japanese Neil Breen. And then I'm like, no, it's more than that. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. And then it's like, this is amazing. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And then I'm like, okay, that was cool. And that was the ride I went through. We'll talk about that later. But first, we should talk about the Shigai and and, and the planet Shigai and, and all that kind of fun stuff. And the the Shans? The Shans, yeah. Shans. 
<laughs> the Shans sounds like a 60s band. <laughs> it does. Or like a Shins cover band. Yeah. <laughs> or not the Shins, we're the Shans. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> well, I mean, most of what I know about um, Shagai is like that it's our Chagai or whatever. Sure. Is like from it's it's Hunter in the Dark, right? Or Haunter in the Dark, I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I know about the the Shagai. <laughs> no, so it's thrown out. It's thrown out, but it really isn't explored until Ramsey Campbell. Yeah. Uh-huh. And oh man, did Ramsey Campbell go with it? And then like Chaosium and everyone with Chaosium just was like, this is the best thing ever for a role playing game. We love this. But you, you know who ran over Chaosium with a, a uh, cement mixer and took it? And that was Delta Green. Oh, goodness. Yes. Yes. It, 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 it's huge in Delta Green. And I, I don't know if we want to get that towards the end. But there's entire governments taken over. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's go with the basics. Dave, Gretchen, what are the basics on the Shan? Or, or Shagai? We're not even talking about the Shan here. <laughs> well, this well, sh- oh, I'm sorry. No, I just know that it's like this like jungle planet. And then it um, has, besides the Shans the mysterious being the worm that gnaws in the night, which I always thought sounded like, um, I don't know if this is totally going to make me sound like a biggest thinking nerd, but so do you remember werewolf, the apocalypse, <laughs> the game, the, the RPG? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, when will you rage? Right, right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that is what I think of as like the Shagai, like the, the worm that gnaws in the night. Cause it's like the worm, right? Yeah. Okay. You see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. And because it's like so primordial and things like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I I diverge from the Shagai. That tells you how little. No, 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 no. It's it's fun. It's, yeah, no. When when I first learned about the Shagai, and or uh, the insects from Shagai, I thought of like the uh the the little worm things from uh Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Yeah, dude, which are like. Like earworms that we have out here, they're terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Oh yeah. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're terrifying. They're terrified. But it's like something that's an earworm that's like the size of a pigeon. <laughs> yes. And that freaks Ugh. me out. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. How about, so how about so you guy, the planet got destroyed. Yeah, yeah, it got destroyed by Dave Grohl. What? No, no, not Dave Grohl. Um, Groth, uh, the intelligent planet Groth. Yes. Yes, which never played for Nirvana. No, was never a drummer for Nirvana, but may have been the you know a member of Foo Fighters. Could be. <laughs> and it may have been and, and so when I think of it, sort of the natural enemy is the Migo. Yeah. And the Migo may have arranged for the planet to have been destroyed. Okay. All right. But that sort of left up. So a planet ate another planet? Yeah. Well, I, think it, 
I don't I, think I guess that's a lot of details, but I think it got like wiped out when it passed by in the gravitational effects and things. Ah. But yeah, it's it's an outer god that eats other planets. I, I, I like to think of it of actually eating other planets or Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that kind of kind of gruesome in and of itself. Yeah, like, it has it has a big eye. It could have a huge mouth that we just don't see, but it I could also like just go past it really fast and then like suck all the nutrients in the space, but that just seems boring and not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does what is the Robert Blake S um take on the Shagai? Oh, um it's just like kind of mentioned. It's just kind of like kind of like um name dropping something that doesn't exist to sound to sound spooky and occulty. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I always get confused here. Oh, I meant to say Dick Ramsey. Sorry, that was dumb. No, well, no. So Robert Blake is the yeah. character in um, *Hunter in the Dark*, not uh-huh. the guy who played Beretta, which was also named Robert Blake. Yes. Oh. And Robert Blake and the *Hunter in the Dark*, I believe, had a story. Am I get called Shagai, or am I? Is that where the the name came from that Ramsey Campbell took? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, but no, no. Uh, the character was also in the Our Gangs television show. Correct. That is correct. I probably shouldn't say what else he's famous for. No. No need to go into that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, the Robert Blake described it in his stories as being this uh, 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 what shadowy, shadowy dark world. Uh, beyond Yagoth, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And Ramsey Campbell took that and ran with it. And as Dave said, uh, the, the 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 fine folks at Delta Green, like mm. uh, A. Scott Glancy, uh, ran it over the dump truck and built a monument. And yeah. and so, yeah, uh, Shagai, Ramsey Campbell. Uh, creates this planet that's like a jungle planet, dark, mysterious jungle planet, where these big insectoid kind of like locust-type creatures about the size of a, a pigeon have the ability to phase into the minds of solid objects and control them, or so- solid sentient beings and control them. Uh, they worship Azathoth. Um, their planet's destroyed. They 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 build temple ships temple to Azathoth. Ships. That concept. Yeah, these these pyramid temple ships to Azathoth, and and make their way throughout the the universe, and end up on Earth in 16th century, outside of like England. Mm. Yeah. And um. Outside of uh, Goatswood and places. Outside of Goatswood, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's 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 in Great Britain. It's like not outside of England, but it's like it's it's yeah. I'm I'm terrible with geography. So is Shagai like um like a not a it's like um it's not even like an established um, Lovecraftian um like entity. Is it just like um 
uh, a name drop or something in passing that then somebody later picked up and was like, all right, let's make this more involved. Exactly. It's it's the Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the thing I'm like I've I've said many times I've been on since I've been on the show, it's like I'm I'm only familiar with what real rudimentary, like this is more in depth than my knowledge is Oh sure, totally. And so I'm super curious and like I'll read pieces and be like, Okay, yeah, that's Robert Blake. Okay, yeah, wait, wait. that's that's Ramsey. Okay, wait. <laughs> that's so and so. So that's interesting, like how um Robert Blake is like, just this is a rando. Like, I think what I, one of my reading is it said that more distant Shagai and the ultimate void of the Black Paths, Black yeah. Planets. planets. So, so um, Robert Blake yeah. is a stand in for Robert Bluck, who wrote uh-huh. So, so Robert Blake, uh, Robert Bluck wrote a story in which he kills off his friend Lovecraft. And he publishes it. And someone writes into Amazing Tales or whatever and says, Lovecraft should do the same. <laughs> and Lovecraft loves this idea. And so he creates this nosy kid reporter, not kid, I mean, he's a college graduate, but uh, named Robert Blake, mm. which is based on Robert Block. To best which... of my knowledge, it's the only or one of the few stories Lovecraft wrote that he dedicated to someone. Oh, that's really cool. And I, I like, that's kind of, I like the shared, that's what I've always appreciated about this is that the, the shared mythos and whatnot. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Sorry if my sound went wonky. My, apparently my, my uh, Amazon Android decided to answer me. Take over uh, the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so. I just want to say its name. Cause then it'll like react again. Uh-oh. That's, so, that's uh, Shagai, I think, is the name of a poem or a short story by Robert Blake, mm. which is not a real person, but it's based on Robert Block. Ah. And then in the 60s, Ramsey Campbell decides that he's going to take these things that were just throwaways by Lovecraft and others and then sort of fill them out. See, I really like that. I like that how the the mythos spreads that way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then there's various people in the '80s that take it and run with it uh, at Chaosium, and then in the mid to late '90s, uh, John Tyne, Scott Glancy, etc. They 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 do kind of like uh, what if. A section of the British government was taken over. What if yes. in, in in like the the sixties? And it's just like we're now seeing what happens in the nineties. If like a small part of it got taken over in the sixties, where are we at now in the nineties? And groups rebelling against that, who are like dr- drilling holes in their heads to uh, to, to to escape their their uh, alien oppressor. Yeah. And and so uh, Project Pisces, which is basically the English version of Delta Green, which is kind of like X-Files meets the Cthulhu mythos, is infiltrated by the Shan. And it takes place, it starts in 1968 when Ramsey Campbell wrote The Insects from Shagai. Yes. 
and that's that's it. I and they make they make great they make great role playing game villains because who do you trust? Yeah. No, no, no. If you're gonna write short stories, if you're gonna write role playing games, if you're out there making video games, if you're out there doing, oh my goodness, not being able to trust anyone because you don't know if there's a a a, a insect that can like transpose material and control someone like a weird puppet master that you you can't detect and the only way to kill it is to expose it to what uv light um i think you are correct with or and i'm not even sure like destroying the host destroys it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah destroying the host doesn't necessarily destroy it um like cutting open someone's head is just going to make it fly to someone else's head. Um, and yeah, killing someone just makes it go somewhere else. The only way to kill it is to like expose it to UV light, which is an interesting, interesting concept. And, and it's not even the UV. It's like what's in the light or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, and 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 it's just Ramsey Campbell riffing on some, some, something that Lovecraft wasn't even like very kind of. But to to my knowledge, I can't find anything that Lovecraft and that um, Block like just like there's nothing that they 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 talked about or anyone's talked about that makes like Shagai a real place that they referenced. It's like. Mm-hmm. That's it's, what I was wondering because I I didn't see anything of Lovecraft. Yeah, it's it's almost like Shoggoth, but let's let's what if what if there was a place that Shoggoths came from? Where would Shoggoths come from? I don't well, know. Well, Shans came from there. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, the Shans came from there, and Shoggoths came from Earth. But it's like the naming convention is very Lovecraftian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And and I believe, and this is where we're going to get all the hate mail. Oh, sure. I think Campbell was inspired by a like a statement in um, uh, the Commonplace book, Lovecraft's Commonplace book, okay. about being possessed by insects. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. I believe yeah. that he has said that, but we'll pour, Mr. Campbell himself will call up and say David is wrong. <laughs> in that polite yet stern English way he does. Well, well, un- unless he decides that that sounds really good. That sounds better than what I had. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I believe that he was inspired by a throwaway uh, idea that Lovecraft didn't develop in uh, in the uh, common uh, commonplace. Yeah. No, no, no. That sounds that sounds correct. Yeah. Shigai, they're mysterious. Mm-hmm. They're worms that gnaw in the night. I mean, <laughs> there are more reasons to hate pigeons. Yes. Oh man, what do uh, what do these uh, weird fiction authors have against pigeons? I don't know. Pigeons from hell, and I don't know. I had a friend who was afraid of pigeons, and she would just like, suspect they were suspicious of like that they were doing something. Gotcha. Like she was certain that they were like not in a like not in a like a like a 
like a schizophrenic way, but like in a, she was just, she was just like, you know, you pigeons, you stay over there and I will stay over here. I think she was just mainly afraid of being like pooped on. Well, that, that makes sense. Legit. That's legit fear. <laughs> All right. So up next, we've got what do we uh, what, what what do we got on the slate there, Dave? So we're going to talk about a very uh, very unusual gentleman who may or may not have been inspired by Lovecraft. Oh, so Richard Shaver. And the Pretty Shaver cool. Mysteries. Neato. All right. So we'll be covering that. And then after that, we're going to be talking about... Hey, Gretchen, what are we talking about after that? You chose the movie. Maribito. Maribito. Yeah. 2004 Japanese horror directed by Takashi, Takashi. Shimizu. Very cool. Uh, also known as unique one all right so we'll be talking about that and something i want to be talking about right now is california tea house oh my god gretchen have you checked out california tea house's website yet no i haven't had a chance to i've been watching film for the film festival <laughs> oh when you get a chance check out who's got free time i know you can drink tea while you're watching the film That's definitely true. Definitely. And I, I have to say, the Bloom tea that they have there is so cool. They have it in various flavors. And I like to get the uh, Black, oh, I think it's called Black Moon or something like that. Anyway, it's beautiful. You get a, you get yourself a nice, big, clear glass mug, whatnot. Heat, 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 you know, make, make sure that you can pour hot water into it, you know. Don't, don't, don't be pouring hot water into a Dixie cup. Anyway. So, you know, you put it in there, you pour it in, and it blooms like a flower, and then it turns into tea. It's amazing. It's so cool. And also, their white tea. Uh, I, I, I do unspeakable things for that white tea. Not, not too terrible. Not like, you know, feed blood to a child, but, you know, I might steal blood. No. I'm not going to steal blood. Anyway, I might steal candy from a baby for this tea, but I wouldn't steal blood from a baby. California. That's good to know. <laughs> California specific, Tea House. Don't steal blood from a baby. <laughs> um, moving on to the next part, just to remind everyone, if you like what you're hearing, like this episode, share it with people. Subscribe to the podcast. Find us on Facebook. We're under People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. We're on Twitter. I don't really check Twitter, so it's just kind of the automatic feed if you just want to listen to us on Twitter for some reason. You can find us on any place, any podcatchers that are out there. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the YouTube, where this episode will be. And, uh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, 
yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. something I want to tell you about a guy I know in a place this is Dave's corner of the podcast it is awesome it's gonna go fast it's not the interview pod ha ha This is Dave, and uh, we're going to take this little bit of an intermission, and we're going to talk about the Shaver Mysteries, or the mysterious Richard Shaver, because you really cannot separate the man from the mystery, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on that. The reason we're talking about it at all is that... In the movie we're about to review, which is from Japan, it actually mentions Richard Shaver and his mysteries. Uh, You didn't see the air quotes I just did, but they're there, trust me. Uh, It name drops them, and which kind of surprised me. Uh, It has some very obvious Lovecraft references, and I don't want to spoil too much for part three of the show. But I was surprised that a Japanese movie was referenced uh, Richard Shaver. And it's definitely influenced by that. So uh, let's get a little bit into the Shaver Mysteries. So the first of story, occurrence, uh, actual account, again, you missed the air quotes there, of the uh, Shaver Mysteries published in 1945 in Amazing Stories in a novella, I don't know what you want to call it. It was was considered and published as fiction by, at least at the beginning, probably by everybody but Richard Shaver, uh, who basically tried to pass this off as a real event. And it's, well, we'll talk more about whether or not Richard Shaver believed this. But it first appears in I Remember Lemuria, which was a the cover story. I mean, it has this uh, attractive woman in space bikini uh, being threatened by this hideous troll-like monster on the cover. And in addition to, the, you know, this black space bikini, she had like this hat and this uh, black leather skirt, and of course, a cape, because Pulp Fiction space babes need a cape. And this green monster is going to be the first representation, probably, of the villains, the monsters of the Shaver mystery, the Daros. 
and they're not quite they don't quite look like the the way I see Darrow's uh, in, portrayed in the future, and they definitely don't look like the mysterious young lady in our movie that's referred to as a Darrow's. Uh, it's kind of like a half bat, half troll thing. And like I said, the it was published under the title "I Remember Lemuria." And, spoiler, it has very little to do with Lemuria, but the title was headline-grabbing. And if we're going to talk about the Shaver mystery, we've got to talk about Richard Shaver, but we also have to talk about someone else, Ray Palmer, who was the editor at that time of Amazing uh, Stories, and he, not Roy Palmer, not the Adam from the DC Comics, but, but Ray Palmer. So as the editor of uh, Amazing Stories, Shaver mailed Palmer this huge rambling uh, correspondence about how, you know, elevators would keep going after it hit the ground floor, the basement floor, and into this underground world where these creatures, the Darrows and the Taros, would basically fight for the soul of mankind. And Palmer knew he had something here. He knew that this was something that could be big. So it was published as, you ready? Here come the air quotes, fiction but was always implied that they only did it as fiction to get it past whoever was the Illuminati, they didn't use the Illuminati term, but get it past whoever was monitoring it and so that they could put it in amazing stories, but that this was true. That these events and these creatures and this fantastic world were real. And Palmer was right. He had something that the fans couldn't get enough of. Um, though I remember Lemuria was going to be the first of the Shaver Mysteries, it wasn't going to be the last. And they published, sometimes there was a Shaver Mystery story for an entire year, at least once a month, in the in Amazing Stories. Um... And again, it was seen as fiction, but kind of advertised as as not fiction. And so what I kind of compare this to, not the fiction versus nonfiction version, um, the sparkling vampire trend of the early 2000s, where it just became this huge thing. And like, sparkling vampires of twilight and many other things it's going to run its course but when it was hot it was hot now shaver was a decent writer but not necessarily a professional writer and he would dump these wild things on palmer who was a writer who was an editor and he would turn it into this story, an interesting story, a exciting story. And 
in which Shaver is going to claim that he is abducted and held prisoner by these creatures who live under the earth. And like I said, people just ate this up. They loved it when it was hot. They wanted more. And it was sort of this inadvertently not planned on collaboration between Shaver and Palmer. Shaver had this wild, fascinating idea. Palmer had the tools to make it into an interesting story. But he also, as editor of the amazing uh, tales, or amazing stories, excuse me, to make sure that they got a shelf run, that it was seen. And for the readers of pulps in the 40s and the 50s, especially, remember, this were just coming out of World War II. And so there's this time where this new supernatural enemy story was, it, it caught people's imagination. But the giant cherry on this was this, it's fiction but true way that it was advertised. And a lot of people hated that. And there is one person who absolutely hates the idea that these are being pushed off as true stories is a young Harlan Ellison, who, you know, of course, a famous science fiction writer and m most famous to say Trekkies as the uh, writer of uh, City on the Edge of For Forever in the original TV series. He also was very known as a very blunt, grumpy man. And he just sort of, he went on a religious crusade against the um, Shaver Mysteries. Not against the stories, not against the writing, against this marketing that these were really true stories. So the story goes that Ellison finally corners Palmer and just berates him for marketing these as true stories and that Palmer basically admits that, hey, at least they sell. And that Palmer himself was in on the fact that these were a myth. And if so, and, and I honestly think he was, I think, I think, and I don't even hold this against Palmer, I think he was kind of maybe surprised anybody believed it. And, and I think he was a capitalist who found a way to market a dying pulp market. And he definitely turns it around for a few years. So the question is, did Richard Shaver believe this? And more than likely, he did on some level. And so when it's researched and investigated, this time that Shaver is supposed to be held in this underground world and this kingdom, he is in a mental hospital. And he is diagnosed and you know, remember they used this term in the 40s, 
so it may not be the same as it diagnosed now, but he was diagnosed as schizophrenic. Shaver is able to live most of his life out of institutions, but does spend a lot of time in institutions. And a lot of that is seen in the raw writings of that he sends to Palmer. Especially what his, what we would now see as misogynist views of women. I don't know if that's correct or not. I, I don't know enough to define a person is a misogynist or not. He had very misogynist acts forced upon the female characters in his story. It is so bad that Palmer has to edit this. And if I'm going to take this as sort of a parallel of another stories that are coming out at the same time, I am going to say that it kind of parallels Ian Fleming's James Bond writing, where if you look at the original 50s Bond books, they are terribly misogynist. They're also terribly racist. And that the urban legend is going to pop out that, you know, Fleming basically writes these novels because his psychiatrist encouraged him to write them as opposed to uh, living them out. And so it definitely is seen that Shaver has these very dark stories in his head that will absolutely not sell in the 50s progress. So Palmer has to basically walk this tightrope of making them titillating. And they do. Remember, you know, the, the, the I call her Space Babe, but I guess she's really uh, underground. She's a Taros creature uh, or being. She's like evolved human. Uh, in the original cover of the the uh, amazing story is wearing a leather space bikini. So he, he covers, he walks this tightrope of exploiting, but at the same point really has to tone down Shaver's writings, uh, the dark side that is on Shaver. And this is where I think we see, and, and I'm not a psychologist and I don't use this word as pejorative, but the mental illness of Shaver. That he has these dark fantasies. Now, I don't know if he's ever was accused of living them out. And Palmer has to take this and convert it into something that is acceptable for even maybe the fringe pulp uh, audience of the 1940s. So as I said, in this underground war, there are two mind-controlling races that, that basically the world is caught in the middle of a battle between. So the Daros are basically stand for the detrimental robots. Now, not robots in like cyborgs, metal robots. These are basically they are controlled by 
their id. They are controlled by their base desires. And this is probably, again, I'm not a psychologist, this is probably the manifestation of some deeply dark locked up things in Shaver's mind. And they become a very popular bad guy in D&D and Pathfinder. And the Daryls, I think most people listening to this are probably familiar with the Daryls from D&D, where they are the dark gray psychic elves, or not elves, dwarves, and that they live in the Underdark, and that they are evil. These are taken right from the Shaver mystery and given sort of a Tolkien covering. Um, and especially, they really, a lot of stuff came out 3.5, but even now 5 is D&D, 5th edition, is a, a popular, or I feel popular, uh, bad guy race. Now the question comes up, and it's got to be asked on this show, was Shaver influenced by Lovecraft? Some of his early writings to Palmer, uh, even before Palmer started putting it together as uh, I Remember Lemuria, was about Mongtong, which is a pre-human language where things can be encoded. And that seems very close to Aklo, which is the Lovecraftian pre-human language. We also see this underground base uh, world where these creatures that are both magically advanced, but also high-tech advanced, but in a ways primitive, that we see in the Lovecraft story, The Mound. Now, The Mound was basically a Zillia Bishop uh, wrote like two lines and said, I want you to make a, a, a story out of this and gave it to Lovecraft. So it was not published under Lovecraft's name. It's uh, not the first Hollow Earth. It's not the first secret world underneath our feet story. But it would get published after Lovecraft died. I believe it was published originally under Bishop's name. And a lot of it was published, was pushed by um, August Derleth to get it out there. So did Shaver read and was he influenced by Lovecraft? Well, we know that Shaver read the pulps. We know that he wrote, read amazing stories because he reaches out to Palmer. So I definitely think that there's a lot of Lovecraftian tropes that are in Shaver's writing. I think that there are a lot of this comes from Shaver more than Palmer, but possibly a little bit of fusion of both. Uh, Palmer, as the editor of Amazing Stories, had to be at least aware of Lovecraft. And there's people who claim that Shaver said that he liked Lovecraft, but Lovecraft got a lot of it wrong. 
but even though those quotes are attributed to even academics online, I couldn't find anything from those academics or in writing of the quotes themselves. So I don't think that if there is, I don't think we have them anymore. Uh, these quotes about Lovecraft by Shaver. But I would be really surprised if anyone as involved in the pulps in the 40s as Shaver and definitely Palmer were was not aware of Lovecraft. So eventually, like all fads, this one dies out. <clears throat> and, you know, did it die out because of opposition or because the pulps died or a little bit of everything? I think it just ran its course. And even though there was a lot of people that were complaining about them because of their context and of the fact that they were kind of advertised as being real, I think the real thing is that it just it ran its course, as well as kind of coinciding with pulps in general law, ran their course. Um, ironically enough, that Shaver and Palmer's enemy um, antagonist, Harlan Ellison, is going to take the Shaver mysteries and basically turn it into a short story. Um, but that's, you know, I've already kind of gone over our time for the, for this week. And maybe we'll even go a little bit more detailed if people are interesting. And who knows? Maybe they're real. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary. Prepare for a spine tingling, nerve shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of... Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio.
Across this film, I, I I of course found yeah, uh, out. Are from... we talking about the movie, or are we talking about Shaver first? Oh, yeah, I was wondering, are we going to do Shaver? Is Shaver going to be like yeah. a um off like something you're doing recording later? Oh, I thought Dave was recording Shaver later. That's what oh, I thought okay. too, Dave. Oh, then I will. I'm sorry, I thought we were okay. Going to. Then I will talk about Shaver, and now we will talk about Marabito. All right. So, how how did everyone uh, run across? Uh, Maribito, uh, originally for me, uh, Gretchen suggested it for a movie. <laughs> yeah, Gretchen told me to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it had never even. I'm so surprised that this never came across my 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 uh, my plate ever. It's wow. it's like it it should have come across at some point in time, and it's like oh wow, this is. Interesting. <laughs> this is really cool. Really? Anyhow. How about is that you as well, Dave? Yeah, I the name, I may have heard the name, but I definitely not seen it or know anything oh, wow. about it. So I came across um, Marabito because I'm a, a fan of the director Takashi um, Shimizu. Mm-hmm. He directed The Grudge. Oh my gosh, like yes, quick, yeah. quick list. Like he directed The Grudge. He directed yeah. The Grudge too. He yeah. also directed like Juwan, the originals, which are the Japanese mm-hmm. ones. He directed a uh, reincarnation, but like these are all things that came out later. Um, and then around the same time as Marabito, he did a Tales, Dark Tales from Japan episode mm. called Blonde Kwaidon. And it was oh. basically about a blonde um uh like a gaijin who gets killed and becomes a gr- grudge style ghost. Mm. But she's blonde and quite often <laughs> scary or a scary story. Oh wow! So that's cool. Marabito means in Japanese it means like the reason why it's called the strange one or the unique one um, mm. is like a subtitle or of sorts is that it means it's like um you know how Americans how we are like we regard um. Uh, fairies and things like that is these other sidely, otherworldly beings. So a Marabito is kind of like a guest from the other world, right? Like it doesn't really have a super, it's not super like tangible, but generally it means like, it's kind of a metaphor for like all non-obake, but like a, but like a, like almost like a God, but not that's uh-huh. the best way I could describe yeah. it. L- yeah, like, yeah, like, I mean, like, like, like a kami or, or less? Less than a kami. Like, it's not like a god god, like, but like a, just another, a, another entity, another, another worldly kind of other side kind of creature. Yeah, like, a, like a, I want to like say like Icelandic elves. Yeah, yeah. Like a localized spirit. Like, we don't have words for it. Like, we don't have, like, house elves and w- house gods and, like, wood elves. And, I mean, I, I keep, like, wood spirits or anything like that really in our culture. But 
other cultures do further back and other cultures still do. And it's like, like, it's like words pop up in my brain in Germanic that are like, oh yeah, this is like, um, like a ruins spirit or something like that. Yeah. And, it's kind of in that vibe. I yeah. mean, that being setting up the name for the movie, um, this movie also came out in like 2004. So it was between sure. when he did the grudge or Juwan and mm-hmm. like in Japan and then um, when he was doing like, well, he had done like, I think the, the, yeah, like the, there was kind of a between phase. Like this was between like him getting American money and doing like the grudge, uh-huh. like for American audiences. I think that was also in 2004. So this was like shot in eight days. It's like a boom yeah. kind of, and he shoots it with video. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Right. So that yeah. gives it like lends this otherworldliness to it as well. I watched and, it on YouTube in kind of really low quality. It was a it was a oh, VHS man. rip in low quality. So it just felt like I was watching someone's video. It feels really intimate, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Especially because like our main character, um, you know, uh, Shinya or Masaka or uh, Masaoka. Shinya is going to be the easiest Ahsoka. way to say it. Yeah, yes. he's like, um, he's um, a collector of videos. He's, and he's like a freelance videographer. Yeah, I was going to say he's like a freelance uh, filmographer guy who's like just out there getting stuff. And he's just kind of like, I just got this like creepo vibe from well, the whole yeah. time. I mean, it was like, probably the best casting I've ever seen, yeah. like Sukumoto uh, yeah. playing him. And another yeah, thing I read about this is that Sukumoto will take like these kind of roles so that he can fund his own films. Yeah, like, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, well, that's smart. I mean, if you got to like fund your stuff, I mean, I don't know if you've seen other films by him besides the Iron Man stuff, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. Vital, crazy, crazy. Yeah. And yeah. This, this, say- this film... This film starts out pretty much with like one like something that just kind of like horrified me every time that uh spoiler alert trigger warning a man shoves a knife into his eye yeah and then they 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 the film threatens you with showing you that imagery and t- in in its in fully over and over again and then tricks you with like other things with the film. And it's just like, it's so amazing how they, I mean, how, yeah, how the, he does it. It's the, it's, the it's, ice cream trope. Yeah. The, yeah. the ice cream. Yeah, definitely. Totally. Definitely. I, I just thought that was, I mean, the, it sets such a tone at the very beginning that we're like, Oh, yeah he's not like part of society this guy is already like already it's like japan japanese culture is already a little bit isolationist in and of itself but Mm -hmm. like this guy pretty much like not he's so creepy red flags (laughs) oh yeah yeah and then he's like oh well where all this stuff's going down something worse must be happening down below i'm gonna go down there well funny thing about that is that you know who this movie's written by right this is Chiaki Kanata. Kanaka. Who, who wrote like some of the Artemis stuff, I think, right? Yes. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he also wrote serial, um, he wrote Lane. Um, he's, 
a very well-known, respected, Lovecraftian, um, knowledged person in Japan. Like, he did that um, Innsmouth movie. He actually came to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Okay. He was the guest of honor, I want to say it was 2018, with the, the oh. year we had Necronom Idol and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was um, incredible, like, and rad. That was yeah, just... That was, like, 2021. Was it 2021? Nah. Like 2020. No, it right would have been. It was like 2018, 2019. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2020. It was right before COVID, I think. No, because the Lovecraft Film Festival was in the fall. Yep. So it would have been 2019. 2019. Oh, okay. It was one of those. Still. I didn't know, but this movie was in the, the Lovecraft Film Festival. Yeah, oh. yeah. They also played his Innsmouth movie that he shot. That was pretty interesting too. his like take on that. But also on top of that, Kanaka, like for me is also like a Mecca because he wrote, oh gosh, everything. And that I love, like, uh, Ultraman returns, Ultraman Gaia, like not Ultraman returns. Um, he wrote, uh, a couple of episodes of Neo, um, or ultra Q dark fantasy, just all kinds of like Kaiju ones that I was like, Oh my God, all the dark, kaiju stories that i love and like cherish chiaki wrote very cool he's such a cool dude and i got to interview him when i was on the uh when i was part of the that podcast a part of a kaiju cast nice so that very was nice. but that, that that interview was kind of more skewed towards like his like Ultraman stuff versus his more talking about like lovecraft stuff yeah but yeah that's why this movie is so crazy and so lovecrafty and so that that moment where he's going down below and standing over that precipice and he's like, these are the mountains of madness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like total <laughs> Lovecraftian name drop. Uh, and although, it's like, although go for it, Dave. It doesn't, it didn't remind me of the um, mountains of madness. No, it reminded me of the mound. Yeah. I was going to say it reminded me of the outsider where okay. there is a creature who lives deep, 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 deep within the earth and crawls up through ruins upon ruins upon ruins and makes their way to a thing and a party and people scream and then it sees its own reflection and goes, oh, wait a minute, I'm a ghoul. Okay. But it reminded me of that. Okay. And the mound. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this movie. How about you guys? Oh, yeah. Do you feel like it kind of sticks with you, though, because of how, like, did you feel it was too graphic or I felt like it was kind of like it had that teetered those moments? It teetered those moments. There yeah. was there was moments with blood and baby bottles. Oh, and 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 just kind of like really loud, sucky noises. And I'm like, uh, Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Realizations yeah. at the end that made me go double yikes. But yeah. yeah. I mean, and he's kind of set up as the unreliable narrator, right? Yes. Very much. Because we're not sure if this is actually happening or if he's like crazy. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's the thing. As a cameraman, the camera is supposed to give us the facts. Right. You know, there, there, there's not supposed to be interpretation, but there is. So yeah. much. 
And there's a lot of interpretation due to the fact that he's the one who's viewing the monitors that we see at times. Yeah. yeah. So it's like we're, yeah, no, no, totally unreliable na- narrator. And I, I love how much film plays a part in in this film. Like, like in the past, I've like said things like, oh, yeah, and New York's the fifth character or Arkham's the fifth character or, or whatever. It's like films like the the third character in this. It's yeah. it's like through film and uh, through the context of film. You, you really kind of understand certain things that are going on and it adds so much texture and flavor. And it's just, I, I love how this movie is shot and how film plays so much of a part. And yeah. it has kind of like a um, film video kind of uh, displays Japanese mm-hmm. cyberpunk feel to it with multiple monitors and, you know, it's like, wait a minute, when is this supposed to take place? <laughs> That's what I like about it also, is that besides the fact that it's film, because film is like one of those total giveaways nowadays, right? When yeah. we, we see something and we're like, oh, film, it must be before this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, it's, it has these intrinsic moments of like um, agelessness, but also yeah. like... Um, really nostalgic because I mean, this is 2004. This was not like the best era of film, but there was film was becoming cooler. There was, you know, there, especially like, I don't know if you see on Japanese, like film movies and like the early aughts and stuff, they all have a, like kind of a, that old BBC quality to it. Yeah. And, and so much at this time though, like everyone had already switched to digital though. Totally. Everyone, like everyone who is out there capturing stuff, every like all the major networks in Japan, I looked this stuff up. Everyone had switched to digital. Digital had been a thing since like 2000, whatever. And this is like 2004. It was just a couple years prior that everyone had been like, oh, yeah, digital's the thing. It's lighter. It's yeah. And but it's it's it it felt like it's it's this 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 person kind of out of step and out of time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, he is the stranger in this, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. or is she the stranger? I, I I think unique one is referring to the situation, kind of like it refers to everyone who's part of it. I mean, like all the major players in it i mean the both of them i I guess they're both unique ones in some way but yeah yeah and this 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 idea that there could be this entire civilization or world underneath modern tokyo yeah hmm I was just reading up on um a little bit more about the term marabito and it's like when we were talking about God, not God, that's kind of right on there. What this was talking about. It's like during a bond bond festival, like this is kind of like Halloweeny, and there you go. All right, cool. Well, I was right. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> but the besides that, the, the goats are like, yes, Gretchen, you're right. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my personal favorite example of that is uh, Lord Con- <laughs> 
Yes, Lord Conti from uh, Fully Cooley. But yeah. 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 Anyway. And and if if if, if anyone hasn't seen Fully Cooley, it's it's a pretty awesome series. Hey, hey, I gotta stop a moment. Uh, the goat might be in some distress. I'm sorry. Oh, I'll be okay. right back. No problem. This is a good pause point. <laughs> sorry if I um, just rambled a lot earlier. No, Hopefully no, no. That was... that was awesome. That was cool. Don't sweat it. Yeah, this is. Uh, I, I I'm trying not to like say anything too much about the film that you know. But yeah, no, I, I, I really liked it. At first I was like, you know, with the, the eye stabbing and the repeated eye stabbing it, or, you know, like the, the repeated watching of the film, like, oh, they keep stopping oh. it right before. I was like, what has Gretchen got me into? And then it's Oh, like, you're going to okay. hate me for the possessed then. Oh my gosh. Everything else is going to seem like a palate cleanser after the possessed. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good on that, but. Yeah, this no, is my no. second time watching it, so I'm I'm kind of excited to see it because it's I've always kind of put it in that whole um, block box of like um, I put it over in the box of films that are kind of like th those I only want to watch every once in a while because it so grosses me out. Okay, like good. Society. Awesome I, to I, know. I can only watch society <laughs> every while. It's like bleh. So somebody's sister is getting medicine and he's not too happy about that. So uh oh. Oh, so he thinks that he's missing out? No, no. He he knows what the medicine tastes like, so he's he's worried because he's never been separated from her. Gotcha. Oh, look at that hugs. Hi. <laughs> How this is gonna sound to you while you're like editing it. Yeah. <laughs> We're all like, hi. And this and F when she walks through the tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> and then the goat showed up. Oh, what's this goat's name? He doesn't have a name yet. Charlie. Super new. <laughs> yeah. You look like a Devin. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to get their ears tattooed like bunnies get their ears tattooed. So if they're going to be registered, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry about that. There was just somebody came to the door and handed me a goat. <laughs> He's not quite sure about this because his picture's on the the, the cam on the phone. Can he see it? I think, I mean, yeah, I can see it. I'm not sure if you can recognize the flat screen, but yeah. Okay, so we were talking about this this lady that was drinking blood out of a baby bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find kind of interesting, like, so before we get to the blood drinking, like, okay, so we got to talk about where, why, who, who's drinking the blood? F. Yeah. F. But... Yeah. He doesn't, but he first he hears about like the Daros before he like finds her. Yes. So he's already got like that is already implanted in his mind because like the homeless guy, right? And then mm -hmm. the ghost, um, the ghost of um, Kuroki, Kuroki, um, the the camera guy that kills himself. Yes. yes. So. 
that's where I'm like, he's he's lost his mind at this point, right? Yes, and and again, we won't. I probably don't want to go <laughs> into it. But in the Shaver mysteries, the Daros are all male. Oh. Okay. The Daros are they are aggressively attack women. And in this case, the Daros is feminine, which uh, I've never in any of the, the Shaver mysteries and the Shaver mystery ripoffs, I've never seen that. They've always been these short, masculine dwarves. Huh. So well, I, I, I'm really curious, you know, like what made him decide that this was a was a Daros, right? Exactly. Or, or even why the writer chose that. Is that something to say that it's all in his imagination? Because it well, maybe because the, the the Shaver mythos. Yeah, I was thinking that because it's like also she's me. She's the Marabito, right? So she's mm -hmm. the otherworldly. She's the 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 visitor. All of that. Yeah. And, well, at least he thinks she is. That's the thing is like, so we don't actually know, like, it, does she actually have fangs or are those real? Like, did you just yeah. find this rando woman who's actually just been locked up in a long, for like a long, long time? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Daros are all evil. The Taros are good, but the Daros are all evil. Oh. So yeah. He assumes that this is going to be a Daros, but he associates it with... And I, I think, I mean, I, I doubt the Shaver mystery was that popular in Japan. I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, I am too. I don't know. I would say Probably. most Americans aren't familiar with it. Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, Jackie, like pretty knowledgeable dude. So maybe he was a big fan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm just going to randomly use this one particular thing and call it a Daros because I think it coincides with like something being from underground and whatnot. I, I expect that he's did a lot of research. Yeah. And I think that that if you do sort of know the Shaver mysteries, it's kind of hints that it is not what he thinks it is. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I uh, what they're representing Daros as, I just, in my brain, uh, as a Lovecraftian fiend, I, I just keep thinking ghouls. They're ghouls. Mm -hmm. They're just ghouls. So do you think she's his daughter, though? Uh, I, I think we need to talk about the movie a little bit more. <laughs> start talking about whether or not. I mean, we haven't even talked about the lady in yellow being like, that's your daughter. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a scene where she comes, he runs into his neighbor yeah. and she's like, I, your daughter was, I saw your, or something like that. I think she was like, I saw your daughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause she was like, the lady was like, like hiding almost, which was kind yeah. of weird. Yeah, I don't know, but so is so is the main character. <laughs> I mean, there was like there was all these other things. There was all these weird things that kind of happened at the same moment. Like like remember the payphone call, and then yeah. she's like, "You're in trouble." Like yeah. So 
I that's where I'm like curious as to what you guys think is if like if you think that he at this point is just completely off his rails and like he has captured his daughter or whatnot and pretend like and his mind thinks that she's something else and he's treating her like a pet. I think that statistically, I think that all all answers are possible, all yeah. endings are possible, but statistically he's crazy and it's his daughter. That's the highest one. That's yeah, kind of that's, what I thought, yeah. yeah, that was my feelings. Um, if, but you know, it's like I also feel like you can take a lot of like Lovecraft stories and do the same things with mm-hmm. it. It's like, no, you 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 didn't actually find an island that upheaved itself after you escaped a U-boat. You have really bad PTSD, and you survived like being a prisoner of war and all this other stuff. And you had serious wounds, and you also have an opioid addiction, and that's what's going on, bud. But <laughs> yeah. So in my head canon, and I don't think this was the way it was written, but that in at least some dimension, all possibilities are true, but in different dimensions, mm-hmm. it just so happens that the dimension that we live in, it's his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. But that that she is some other creature. That's true too, in another dimension. Mm-hmm. In the crazy dimension. Um, in the bizarro no. dimension. <laughs> and and okay, so something that I found kind of disturbing at points in time when when uh, there would be something that I found too disturbing, I'd put my hand up in front of the screen, and then it would look like pornography. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, all right, um, and that and, was and okay. No, it still oh, wasn't okay because okay, there was still blood everywhere. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it's like they purposely positioned uh, who was standing and sitting where, and where people were feeding and uh, where people were drinking blood or doing things, um, with exception to the uh, the eye stabbing in the beginning. It had very kind of like pornographic blood fiend kind of thing going on. Oh, and, well, totally. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. And and you say, yeah, totally. Like, duh. And I'm like, okay, that's not what I was expecting. But it, well, it's it, just like, I think that's why it gets under your skin. Like, that's oh, the yeah, intent, yeah. is that it's it's supposed to be, like, you're supposed to be disgusted by your titillation, but also titillated by disgustingness. I don't know. It's, it's I think it's really complex in that way. I'm just grossed out by blood, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I also think it's like, it's, I, I don't know. I just find there was a lot of things that were really fascinating about this. Like, I wanted to make everything, um, like, break down to a Lovecraftian aspect, like the woman in yellow, right? Like, so yeah. we have, um, I'm assuming she was like a stand-in for the king in yellow in aspects because yeah. she is the one who leads him in a way. Like, she kind of ends up being like a, like a, a hand of, um, not fate, but kind of letting us, letting us as the, as, as, as the watchers of this film know that there is more to this. Oh than, yeah. Than yeah. We're, than, than, than him, his vision. Like she's, she seems to be a standout character in the sense of like, she's like, well, 
you need to be taking care of better care of F. Um, this is your daughter. And then he's, yeah, it's, it's just, I just love this film. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm trying not film... to give away too much because it's it's not the most complex of threads of story. It's just very, very visual um, film. Yeah, yeah, it's very visual. It's uh, the audio, like the soundtrack, the, 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 um, the fully work in this film, like the mm. sound is like just very soundy. I mean, I don't, oh. Sounds when things are gross are super duper yeah. gross. I'm like listening to it on headphones and it's like slurping, sucking sounds. Totally. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And they got to be too gross and you can always edit this out. Sure. But, you know, horror and blood and eroticism is why we have the vampire legend. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. It, definitely. It, it's universal. And I think she's not a European vampire. No. no. But there's definitely elements, which I, I'm sure that the writer understood. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like also that she's like, the fact that we're, it's she's, because vampires aren't necessarily like, um, inclusive or like indicative of in Japanese like stories. I mean, there's a few vampiric type character like creatures, mm -hmm. but like this is a seems like a Japanese perspective of a um, American vampire, but make it Lovecraftian. Yeah, like, you know, very much so. Because yeah. we're not even certain that she's actually a vampire, just that he's forcing her to eat like um, carcasses and blood bottles and things like that. Yeah. Well, he does not know what to eat. And he even says to the lady in yellow, I don't know what to feed her. Oh, my God. Because he's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at a meta level, there's, you know, we destroy we're willing to destroy others and the world around us to provide for our children. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. And that, you know, that blood is life. Mm -hmm. It's true. Oh yeah. Definitely. But that baby bottle thing was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it all links back to that first, what, I mean, like, do you think that that first film where the man is stabbing himself in the eyeball, um, is kind of a, like, this is the, the break because he's so obsessed with the final moment of this man's death, like in the vision and being able to see what the man saw. I think he had probably gone over the edge prior to that. Yeah. And that this was just something that, like, made him pursue something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, and he became video, the murderer. Yeah. I think the video is the portal. It's either yeah. the portal to this new world where there is this strange creature or it's the portal of his insanity. Mm. I feel like I really have to watch this movie like three or four more times before I go, okay, 
this is what I feel specifically. And at this point in time, this is reality, but it's like, I feel like this movie could have a lot more depth to it that I just may not have gotten because of, I watched it at such poor quality, but mm. other people could be like, oh, actually, no, it's all filmed in that same low quality. You, you, you didn't get a bad copy. of it. it is filmed in film. So it is like, it is not super like sharp. And um, the, I've watched it on Vudu. Um, yeah. It was free on there. So I recommend that if you want, if you have the opportunity to re-see it. Oh yeah. No, I watched a trailer for it and I'm like, this is so much clearer than anything <laughs> I watched. I, I, I watched I like a VHS rip and it's like, there's parts where you can see he's clearly filming in digital and parts that you can see that he's, it's, it's like, or that he's doing stuff in film and other parts that it's like other people are filming stuff around him. It's like, oh, okay, there's a little bit more to it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. And I think I watched the same rip that you did. And to me that added. Okay. I, I like that lo-fi sort of, it gave me the idea that it was me just. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's certain films that if you watch them and kind of like filmed in the Philippines with someone with a video camera in the back row <laughs> and right. you, you know, bit torrented and it's it's uh you know, don't you wouldn't steal a movie, would you kids? But you, you watch a horror movie that's just been like filmed in such low quality and then like cut and recut and recut that it's like, it, it feels like someone had a video camera and filmed this or something like that, but it's just an old bad camera. But that's something that this, uh, this, this film has a quality of is it brings you there. It's, it, 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 it makes you a participant in this, which that's it, it makes why it more real it. to me. I mean, that's why I picked it for this show, because I thought this um, Shimizu's done a million amazing films and like series and things like that. But it's like this kind of gritty, like and not to mention the fact that it's incredibly Lovecraftian. But oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that descent into madness, um, all mm -hmm. of that, the labyrinth, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it just has such a vibe. I mean, yeah. that is not like his other work. I and mean, I'm not going to say this is like his best one because honestly it's not, I mean, it's not, but it's still a really, really, really cool story. I like that. It's not a like super long movie. Yeah. You know, we don't yeah. continue to carry on. Like it's like, all right. And this is the end <laughs> and it's going to be, maybe this happened. Maybe that it's left up for interpretation. Oh yeah. 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 No, something I loved about it is it looked more like Silent Hill than the movie Silent Hill looked like Silent Hill. <laughs> and I was like, this, oh, with the man, labyrinth right. and the weird angles and like the weird creepy things in the background and like kind of like not very high definition. I'm like, now that feels like Silent Hill, buddy. But yeah, no, this, this, this film is so cool, but also at the same time, I kind of watched it and at this, you know, it's like when I covered up like the stuff that was gory, it looked like some blood porn. And that's kind of, I, I, there's, there's like, I feel like everything's intended. 
everything's yeah. intended with this film. And I think that's amazing. It's just really cool. You want to hear some funny trivia about this movie? The, the cover of this film has the woman and her like she's almost it's like almost a sexy pose but oh, not yeah. also she looks like a corpse. Well, one of the covers for um, the distribution for this film has her like in a red dress and like recolored. Oh, geez. Okay. So it's a little bit more like, uh, less like, uh, this is a corpse. Yeah. For like sensibilities, you know, how sensitive people get. Oh, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't I show understand. them those corpses. <laughs> but yeah, I recommend, I hope that, I hope that people hear this show and, uh, we don't ruin the plot too much. Then you, and then you watch this movie. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Not amazing, but it's I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was pretty cool. It's a I, unique one. <laughs> yeah, no, this film is definitely a unique one. And I had my moments in it. I was like, do I like this? I don't like this. Oh my God. I hate this. Oh, Gretchen, you're not on the show anymore. No, it's <laughs> never like that. Um, but it just kept going, to, I don't know. And then it's just like, I hit a peak and I'm like, oh, okay, I get what this movie is. And then, yeah. And then I was, I was, I was there. Good. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good film. Yeah. So, what are we talking about next week? <laughs> you thought you were upset by this film. <laughs> the possession or the possessed, the possessed, right? Yeah, we're talking about the possessed and the Gulf of Siglo. I think that's how it's pronounced. Possessed? That's how it's pronounced? Yeah. Oh, okay. what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Possession. It's possession. It's possession. Okay. 1981's possession. All right. I don't want to end up watching the wrong movie. Yeah, watch 1981's Possession. It's um, it's supposed to be. Uh, I mean, I've seen it, but yeah, it's um, I'm hoping that everybody watches it. Also, it's going to be a good one. It's yeah. a little more traumatizing than Marbito. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, don't worry about so it. It's, uh, if, it's traumatizing. If Linda Blair's in it, if Leslie Nielsen's in it, it's it's the wrong film. It's the wrong yeah. film. Yeah, I think that's repossessed. Yes. Yeah. If 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 uh, if if Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton's in it, that's that's the wrong film. That's Repo Man. Okay. All right. Okay. And we are taught, but it, it, if it's the movie I think about, is this the movie that has Sam Neill in it? Yes. Okay. Have you huh? seen this? I I've seen parts. I I'll have to sit and watch the whole thing. Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right. Okay. And we are talking about everybody's favorite creature. The Shagas, are we not? Yes. Oh, cool. Which is great because yes. <laughs> because yes, everybody yes. loves Shagas. Sounds You'll good. See. <laughs> All right. I'm excited, but also fearful. Okay. Oh. Well everyone oh, sorry there. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Anything else we got to talk about before we head off into that night, y'all? Oh. I think we covered it. Just, um, yeah, everybody have a, have a, a great week. Yeah. All right. 
Any anytime travelers. Hope you all have a good Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. Uh, same thing to you, Gretchen and Dave. I hope you have a good Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna do free comic book day on Saturday. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, everyone, check the show notes. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and anywhere else we're found. So thank you so much. We'll see you in the future. And I don't know, something about Cthulhu. Yes. Yes. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That was a good episode. Yes. By people who help out with our Patreon. Episode is possible by people who buy guitars on Glary, uh, people who go to our show notes and buy things. This episode is also brought to you by me, who pays for everything when no one buys everything, which is like 99% of the time. Help the show grow. Tell your friends about it. Track us down at concerts or conventions or whatever all right we will see you next time you'll hear from us facebook twitter instagram youtube baby and yeah have a good one hope your commute is well hope your flight is good hope you cleaned your kitchen i hope your dinner turns out well i hope you had a good time getting to school Whatever you do, I hope you have a good day and have a good one. All right.